You've tuned into a mega church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Hallelujah. Mm, some people are still not fully awake. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's good, better. So welcome back again in uh, uh, the atrium. We have had some time off because of the COVID and things like that, but the Lord has opened the door for us back to be in this place. We praise God for it. It's his doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. And uh, we are beginning a new series this time. We are going to study uh, the epistle of Peter, the first epistle of Peter. So today is the first uh, day we are going to do it. But uh, rather look, to, I would like to focus more on one aspect of God, the foreknowledge of God. What does foreknowledge of God mean to us? And whether we, I mean, how it should encourage us, how it should build us up, how it should uh, help us to be strong in faith. So this is going to be a um, very important message. And um, I believe it will build our spiritual life quite you know, to a deeper level. So this episode is written by the Apostle Peter, and who is one of the most important apostles of the Twelve. Because the very first time when uh, Andrew brings his brother Peter to Jesus, Jesus looks at him and says, So you are Simon. From today you will be called um, uh, my mind is going, yeah? Cephas, yeah. That means rock. <laughs> that word is a difficult word to remember. <laughs> Cephas, the rock. And uh, later on in another conversation, he says, on this rock, I will build my church, referring to Peter. So the Catholic people believe that uh, he is the first bishop and, you know, all those kinds of things. Give a lot of importance. Well, we should give importance to the apostles. There's nothing wrong in it. But they go a little beyond uh, what is reasonable, <laughs> I believe. But we just praise God for Peter's life. For many reasons, Peter is important for us to understand. If you understand Peter, that will encourage your heart very much. Because if Peter can walk with God, if Peter can do all that is in God's heart, if Peter can accomplish the will of God in his life, you and I can do. Because he was a man who was very much known for instability. One moment he's declaring, you are the son of the living God. And next moment he's declaring, I know you are not going to die. And Jesus tells him, Satan, get behind me. So one, he can be uh, in, in God's hand in one second. Next second he was going into the hand of the devil. So if that kind of a person can be used of God, then there's hope for every one of us. That's what I want you to keep that in mind. And um, this is written by Apostle Peter which is very clear from the first verse, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I will leave the scripture for you, whoever wants to look at the scripture. Okay, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he says he's the one who is writing it. But some people think, oh, maybe it is not Peter, you know. So for them, what is the answer that we have? Some people think that uh, probably Sylvanus, which he talks about in chapter 5, uh, verse 12, he says, By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, 
exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God, stand firm in it. So some people think Silvanus could have been written, written for him, or Peter was dictating and Silvanus was writing. Um, these things, they come up with funny explanations because the Greek used is more finer. A good Greek is used here in the epistle when you read in the Greek. And they think Peter may not know that kind of a Greek. Why should not know the Greek? Because Greek language has been there in that land for 300, 400 years. And it was most commonly spoken language apart from the uh, local language wherever it is in the entire Roman world at that time. So Greek was spoken. And uh, I do not doubt. Um, but they also say, ah, because in the book of Acts, you see that when the, when the uh, Sanhedrin calls them and warns them not to preach in the name of Jesus, one of the things they say is, they marveled at Peter and John because they were unlettered. They were illiterate. So what exactly it means is, it doesn't mean they never went to school, but in their recognized school, they did not go. Whatever school they were recognizing, that school they did not go. But it doesn't necessarily mean they never had any education. It doesn't mean that. So I believe that God, by his grace, can change anyone. I have known pastors in India who never went to school. But after their conversion, they learned to read and write the, I mean, uh, read the Bible uh, in their own language. And they say usually they fasted and prayed for two or three days and then they began to uh, learn to read. So supernaturally, if God can do today, why can't he do with Peter? He can. That's possible. And then, Sylvanus could be the bearer of the letter. That means the one who carried this letter and delivered it to the destination. But one of the questions we have to ask is, what is this destination that we are talking about? The destination, is here it says, to God's elect, Strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These are the places. Now, what are these places? See, this is the, I put a map for you to see. You can see Galatia is a region. Cappadocia is another region. Bithynia is another region. And I don't find the other two mentioned in it. But most of the places mentioned here are in the modern Turkey today. They are all in Turkey. Even when you look at the bottom there, Tarsus, that's, that's the place where St. Paul was born. It's in Turkey. It's in Turkey. So most of the action that is happening in First Peter is in Turkey. But today, Turkey is not a Christian country at all. It's a Muslim country. In fact, there was one monumental building, a well-known, uh, internationally well-known building, uh, which was supposed to house a library and later on something, but they converted into mosque very recently, about a year ago or something. So they don't want to have anything called Christian. They, it was run by the Catholics. It was taken over by Catholics and converted into a mosque. So that country is completely Muslim in its nature. Today you do not have many churches there. All the historical places are in great danger, basically, in, in a sense, I would say. So if there's anything that you want to pray, you can pray that God may have mercy on that nation. Okay, and uh, <clears throat> this is a, an epistle that Peter has written which has 105 verses. It's not a big letter. 105 verses is very small, okay? But in this you have got a lot of wealth of information. Like we read one page, one chapter of Jude and we had to spend five weeks to understand it. So how many weeks we are going to study? Five chapters now you know it. <laughs> For Jude, one chapter we took five weeks. 
I hope I will not do the same with Peter. I will try to be more faster. But the point I'm trying to make is that you've got everything that you want to know in this brief epistle. Here is the great doctrine of redemption. Chapter 1 talks about the salvation that we have. And he expounds it in a more, more very beautiful way. From its conception before the foundation of the world to its consummation in our receiving an inheritance, that will never fade away. Here are repeated calls to holiness and to humble trust in God for each day's needs. Here is practical counsel for marriage, for work, for relating to the government, for witnessing to unbelievers, for using spiritual gifts, for serving as a church officer. Every topic that you ever need is covered by Peter in the short epistle. So he says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. So this word apostle basically simply means a messenger. But Jesus gave a special meaning to this common word, messenger. When he chose the 12, he said, they are my apostles. They were specially chosen by God and sent out into the world with a specific mission, the specific purpose to do the will of God in preaching the gospel of Christ. Today they are not alive anymore. But the gospel is still alive because of what they have done, faithfully preaching the word. So the apostle is a saint one, but here is divinely elected, divinely chosen, divinely empowered. And God had used them in a miraculous way so that the gospel can be reached to the whole world. It didn't happen in a day, but it's still going on. The procedure is still going on. The process is still going on. But these apostles are of Jesus Christ. To God's elect. Now remember, whatever every word Peter uses in this epistle is not only true about you, but it's true about him. When he says he's writing to the elect, basically he is an elect of God. He's chosen by God. And we will know more about what this really means. What does this mean, election? And strangers in the world. This is also, some translations use the word sojourner. That means like a migrant. You don't belong to this world. Your, your basic home is heaven. You are sojourning in this world. You are stranger in this world. You are a migrant in this world. You live like a migrant in this world. So this earth doesn't belong to you. What belongs to you? Heaven. God's presence. That is your home. Can we all say that? Heaven is my home. I'm a migrant in this world. I'm a visitor in this world. But many of us, we live as if this is our permanent home. Don't we? <laughs> our job, our career, the money we make, the houses we build, the business we build, you know, the bank balance we build, everything shows that we believe that we are permanently living here. But can there be a change in the way we think about it? It is going to make entirely a new difference to you. It will make a difference in the way you live your life. Because that's very important to make a switch in your mind. Your home is in heaven, not here. Your home is in heaven. Everybody say, my home is in heaven. And the next word they use is scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Scattered. What does it mean, scattered? When James uses the same word scattered, he uses with a reference to different things. They were scattered because of persecution. But now, when this epistle was written, they think, many scholars agree on about AD 64. AD 64 is the time this is written. 
and by this time gospel has reached to entire in that known roman world already and if you if you look further oops sorry how do i bring the point ah saint paul born in tarsus but when you when you look at the larger map he traveled hundreds of miles down somewhere here which is jerusalem and he went there to study what the law at the feet of gamaliel he traveled miles to study the old testament to live in jerusalem to learn the law and he became a, a, a zealot i mean he was zealous for the, uh, the jewish faith and he started persecuting the christians and i'm surprised that this paul never had an opportunity to meet jesus hear jesus he never even though he has acquaintance with jerusalem he never got to see jesus physically he never met him and this man when he after his conversion as you know he traveled all the way down from somewhere jerusalem he comes to tarsus and then he goes all across and you go and on on and on and on up to spain he goes <laughs> that's how i can show you <laughs> the map <laughs> thousands of miles using ships and walking that's how he traveled so how much of time he spent in traveling he must have spent 80% of his life traveling 20% preaching that's what i'm believing i could be right or wrong but the point i'm trying to make is he was so full of the desire to spread the gospel that he did not spare any effort and that the, when we are going into uh, talking about paul instead of talking about peter but the point i'm trying to make here is that the gospel was already present here so not necessarily because of persecution but because it already well traveled and when he mentions these places it is the route most of the time it is the route that the people will take uh, troas bithynia galatia cappadocia and then you know southern for the south and that this is the route they follow again to the west up to spain because they has a lot a small land connection that takes you down 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 to different countries to greece and other nations so he's he's when he tells silvanus to take this letter what he was trying to mean is he will be visiting these places make a copy deliver it to the church the local church and go to the next place make a copy deliver the letter to the church and go to the next place this is how they did this is how they lived this is how they did so silvanus must have been a, and he talks about him that he is a faithful servant he's a faithful brother as i regard him that is peter's opinion of silvanus so it's not necessarily silvanus must have written for him he must be a bearer of the letter and peter cannot travel in his old age and uh, other things and where was this uh, letter written from when you go into chapter 5 he talks about the uh, the church that's in babylon greets is chapter 5 chapter 5 with the help of uh, silas the silvanus whom i regard as faithful brother i have written to you briefly encouraging you and testifying that this is a true grace of god stand fast in it she who is in babylon chosen together with you sends you her greetings she who is in babylon who is she is a church so what is babylon he is not talking about babylon um that's in iraq but he was talking 
basically, as a figure of speech, he uses the word Babylon as a figure of speech to the Rome. Rome is the city, or the capital of the then known Roman world. So he must be in Rome when he wrote this letter. So that is what everybody accepts it, and uh, I have no problem uh, accepting that explanation. So he must have written it from the Rome just before he was killed. And when they wanted to crucify, they said, okay, we are going to crucify you, get ready. And what does Peter say? If you want to crucify me, don't crucify me like you crucified Jesus. Crucify me upside down because I do not deserve to die like my master. So he was crucified upside down. That talks about this man who betrayed Jesus three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know what you're saying. He even swore and said, I don't know this man whom you're talking about. And the same man was willing to die for the same Jesus whom he denied three times. Now that talks about the transformation of the gospel. Talks about the transformation Jesus can bring in a person's life. And Peter was entirely, completely transformed. And he lived to lay down his life for the name of Jesus, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the straight way. Crucify me upside down. And he was crucified upside down. So that is what we need to capture when we read about Peter. When we read about Peter. You know, when... Let's go a little more further and then come back. So he says, I mean, um, to God's elect. So he's writing to the people who are chosen by God to be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Elect. When did God elect people to be chosen? To be saved? Before the foundation of the world. Before anything was ever created, God has chosen you. Every one of you are sitting in the chair today. If you have a living faith in you, you've been saved by Jesus Christ, and you know you are born again, and you know that you are connected with Jesus, that's because God chose you before the foundation of the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are an elect of God before the foundation of the world. One more time, you are an elect of God before the foundation of the world. Okay, so that is the power of the word. So don't think you're sitting here today and oh, I don't know why I'm a Christian. You are a Christian because God elected you. Before even you were there, nowhere you were there, nothing was there. He has chosen you. God's elect. Strangers scattered throughout who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. How did God elect? Through foreknowledge. What is this foreknowledge? Foreknowledge is not foreseeing. Foreknowledge is not foreseeing. See, tell your neighbor, foreknowledge is not foreseeing. So what is foreseeing? Foreseeing is you, you in advance you play the video or a movie and you, you see a, the whole movie and then sit back and predict what is going to happen. When somebody else is watching, you tell what is going to happen, you see. God is not that kind of a person who is going to, who has foreseen everything that you are going to do, therefore he chosen you. No. God has set his love upon you. See, this is what it means. In the foreknowledge, what, what does it mean? God set his love upon you. 
tell yourself god set his love upon me the greek word for knowledge the knowledge is ginesco and there is a preposition before it pro ginesco and in fact you have another word in english prognosis have you heard this word prognosis this is used in the medical world somebody uh, somebody may uh, get uh, let's say he gets um, a rarest form of cancer only one in a million get it let's suppose i, I google there is something like that there are 10 diseases one in a million only get it 10 cancers you see a person is sitting in the doctor's office oncologist and he is looking at the reports and everything he says you know you got the rarest form of cancer one in a million get it you are going to die that's his prognosis how does he know he has seen many who got the disease so he is able to say ah if this disease comes you won't live more than 6 months if this if you get this disease you won't live more than 1 month that is prognosis prognosis is he is telling you in advance what is going to happen prognosis god does not do prognosis he he is he has not seen everything happen and then he does it but the prognosis the the ginesco the word that comes from is a different source it is used in genesis when adam knew his wife the greek word is ginesco he knew his wife an intimate relationship he it's a uh, relationship out of love which adam can have only with one person eve not with the rest of the world in a marriage relationship you have this privilege of knowing husband has a uh, a privilege to know the wife and wife has a privilege to know her husband in an intimacy which is gnosis ginesco and god has not had any that kind of intimacy with us but he has that love he has that love and in that love he has elected you in that love he has chosen you in that love beforehand he has set his love upon you even before you were born even before you did anything good or bad he has chosen you it can be little more it can be little more how to make it understand is a difficult concept i have heard many people all the intellectual guys and they somehow contradict each other when they talk about it and i don't want to do it I, my purpose is not theological nor is philosophical my purpose is to make you understand the four knowledge of god so that your heart your heart will warm up to god your heart will become more assured of his love your heart will become more firm in his plans and purposes for your life it will give you strength it will give you courage it will give you strength it will give you vision it will give you strength and it will sustain you through the problems that's the reason that's the purpose of my talking about foreknowledge it is when joseph goes uh, is sold into as a as a slave it, 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 he was thrown into the pit a stone as a slave and he was put, thrown into the jail god has set his love upon joseph even though those things were happening that's what i want you to understand what you go through today does not mean god has not known you what you go through today does not mean he has not elected you he has chosen you for a purpose he is molding you with a purpose how does it work out in peter's own life for knowledge of god when he meets him first time he tells him you are peter simon but you'll be cephas the rock on this rock i'll build my church did he know he's going to deny him three times he knew 
did he know that he is going to um, um, uh, step out of the boat in the stormy sea and say if you it is you let me walk and on the water and come over to you and did he know he is going to seek he knew he knows your failure he doesn't elect you because you are going to fail he chooses you because you are going to be victorious he has elected you not to fail he has elected you to be a victorious person look beyond your failure look beyond your temptations to the purposes of god why did god set his love upon my life why did he love me so much why does he choose me why has he chosen me you live for that purpose you live for that purpose that's going to transform your life recently there was an uh, recently news it says they they found out a star a star its name is erendel which is 28 billion light years away this is the farthest star they have ever known far off star they have recently found that must have happened maybe little later than big bang or before i do not know there are many questions i have when i think about those theories and scientific theories i have no answers for them but it took 28 billion years ago to for that light to reach the earth today or few weeks ago when they captured the picture took the photo of the star was the star there all this 28 billion years ago there it was there did they know they did not know God has chosen you before many many billions of years ago not 28 million millions of billions of light years ago before there's nothing except the father son and the holy spirit he has chosen you he's elected you that he may that you may believe in the name of Jesus that you may be forgiven of his sins that you may be washed in his blood that he may belong to you that you may become his son and daughter i want you to know this very surely today that you are chosen that you are elected before the foundation of the world how are you going to live from today if you knew that god has loved you so much should it make a difference the way you are going to live and romans 8:29 says for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers this is the great plan of god jesus is the firstborn among the dead and he wants you to be his brother he wants you to be his sister this is the will of the father that's why he has known you whom he foreknew he also predestined he knew you he predestined he said this is how it is going to be ramana is going to be saved by the blood of jesus he did it before anything was created it's about each one of you the same thing is true and he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son you must look like jesus that is god's purpose in order that he might be first born among many brothers and romans 8:30 says and those whom he predestined he also called those whom he also called he also justified those whom he justified he also glorified what is left out for you now i tell you what keeps us from living powerfully for christ is not anything other than your own shortcomings your own sins your own failures they make you look at yourself and think you are only a little worm you have got no purpose you are like an insect 
But God looks at you and says, you are my son, you are my brother, you are my sister. To look like Jesus. To look like Jesus. That's his purpose. So whom he predestined, he called. Don't say God has not called me. Every Christian is called. Not just the pastors. Every Christian is called. Every Christian is predestined. Every Christian has been, um, uh, those whom he called, he also justified. You are forgiven, declared righteous. And whom he justified, he also glorified. God put his glory upon you. That glory is like the glory that Adam and Eve had before they sinned. After they sinned, that glory left them. Because the glory left them, they found themselves naked and they felt the need to cover themselves with the fig leaves. But when you believe in Jesus, that glory that is departed covers you back again. He looks at you as Jesus himself. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? What God has done for us, we don't see it because we look at our failures. We look at our sins, pet sins. And God says, no, that's not how I look at you. I look at you as I look at my son Jesus. You are like Jesus for him because he put the glory upon you. So rise up and walk like Jesus. But that is your destiny. Rise up and walk like Jesus. Because that's God's purpose for you. Rise up and walk like him. Because that is your fulfillment of God's purpose in your life. And the foreknowledge is the same word that Peter uses in the Acts of Apostles chapter 2 verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God planned and delivered Jesus to be crucified upon the cross. So that is what we need to understand. The foreknowledge. And you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. If you want to know that this episode is written by Peter... This is very clear. He's the same word he used in his preaching on the day of Pentecost. He uses here in writing this epistle. Foreknowledge. How did foreknowledge work out for Christ? How did foreknowledge work out for Peter? If it works out for Jesus, it works out for Peter, it will work out for you. Say it. If, it, if God's foreknowledge works for Jesus, if it works for Peter, it will work for me. You should live differently from today. You should live differently from today. Mark chapter 14 verse 27. Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster grows twice, you will deny me three times. Three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. All the twelve said the same. We may have to die, but we will not deny you. But when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, every one of them fled. Every one of them fled. Except John the Apostle. 
he continued to follow him he followed him in the trial he followed him at the cross and he there he uh, surrendered i mean come i mean he, he told uh, looked at his mother mary and says this is your mother from today he is your son and he is your mother she is your mother he is the only apostle who was sticking till the end everybody else deserted ran away did god know that G peter is going to deny him Mark chapter 14 was 66 and as Peter was below in the courtyard one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself she looked at him and said you also were with the Nazarene Jesus but he denied it saying i never know nor understand what you mean and he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed first time he denied the rooster crowed you know what you have to understand about the rooster crowing maybe i know more about roosters <laughs> when one rooster crows there will be many others ready to do the same noise okay so here the quickness with which rooster crows is going to be outdone by peter's denial if one says kokoroko there will be many others to say kokoroko in the morning but before two of them say kokoroko peter is going to deny three times that he doesn't know him that means how quickly is going to deny do you understand where i'm coming from <laughs> I never heard this anywhere no one, no commentary has ever said it but I know the behavior of the roosters <laughs> So the first time it, the rooster crowed and then what happens gateway and the servant girl saw him again began again to say to the bystander this man is one of them but again he denied it and after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter certainly you are one of them for you are a Galilean but he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear i do not know this man of whom you speak and immediately the rooster crowed a second time and peter remembered how jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice you'll deny me three times and he broke down and wept and at this time when he denied him he was arrested being tried but from there jesus cast his glance at peter that eyes met eye of jesus eyes of jesus met eyes of peter and then he was convicted and he wept and went out and wept judas also betrayed jesus he also repented he did not help him he killed himself and in this context jesus already told peter you will you'll all fall away but when you are restored when you turn back strengthen your brothers follow me shepherd the brothers so did jesus know he's going to deny he knew the foreknowledge of god is not because you already have done it he has seen it no god is omniscient that means god knows everything and when you, when you say god knows everything everything he knows there's nothing that needs to happen and then he will know that he will be less than god if you wait for something to happen for god to know then god will not be god he'll be less than god he has to know even before it happens so you it is very difficult for us human beings to understand omniscience of god the foreknowledge of god but i tell you it is much better than playing chess when you take for example two grandmasters sitting on the table the chessboard between them and they make moves initially a few times and afterwards they both are sitting there and thinking for 30 minutes to 40 minutes and in their mind they can see where when they move 
this uh, the rook goes from here to here. He will move this one from there to there. And I will move this one here. He is going to make this. 30, 40 moves are able to imagine what the board will look like after 40 moves. And they say, we are not going to win either of us. Let's draw the game. If a human mind can do that, how much more God? He doesn't have to imagine these things happening. He knows omniscience. The foreknowledge of God. He, has, he knows you intimately. And more than that, just like the husband and wife, there's intimacy. That love he has put upon, upon you and upon me, that is the foreknowledge of God. This is the foreknowledge of God. I wrote down somewhere here. And... Um, <clears throat> And one, one other thing is about Peter. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I wanted to focus on the word, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does it mean to you? You must have heard it for 10 years, 20 years. What does it mean to you? The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Whatever proceeds from the hell, whatever proceeds from the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. What does prevail mean? Prevail, the dictionary meaning is prove more powerful or superior. Doesn't mean you will not have fight. It means it will not be more powerful. It will not be superior to you. That means who will be superior, who will prevail? What does it mean? Us. Every Christian, we will prevail against hell. We will excel in our strength. We will be superior to its strength. We will match it and overpower it. We will match it and overpower it. So whatever proceeds from hell, you are not going to be defeated. You will be overcomer. Did Peter understand this when Jesus said those words? If he understood it, he would not have denied him. That's the reason why I say, don't let your failure, don't let your shortcomings, don't let your weakness, don't let your defeat, defeats determine your understanding of God's love. God's love is not changed because of what you do, because he has set his love upon you already before the foundation of the world. In his foreknowledge, he knows your weakness, he knows your shortcomings, he knows your failure, yet he loved you. To be saved through his son Jesus Christ. And compare this with the authority of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 22 verse 22. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. Why would you keep the key on the shoulder of this coming Messiah? What do you carry on your shoulder? Do you carry a key on your shoulder? <laughs> so why does the scripture say that? It's, this is simply, it means he is going to have the authority, responsibility, and authority to execute it, to use it, to make it work. And that key is on his shoulder. It means it's given to him to implement it, to fulfill it to Jesus. But what is said about Jesus, he's telling that to Peter. I give you the keys. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
what you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven that means what he wants you to be like jesus he wants you to be like jesus so you have to look beyond your failure to look at the power that jesus is going to give you or he has already given you he has already given you Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 and the living one i died and behold i am alive forevermore and i have the keys of death and hades he holds the keys to death and hades he has power over death he has power over hell and again you look at the revelation chapter 3 verse 7 and to the angel of the church in philadelphia right the words of the holy one the true one who has the key of david who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one will open that's the authority of christ and he says i give you the keys what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven what you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven do you know your authority ask your neighbor do you know your authority hallelujah if you agree with me shout hallelujah because this message is not just for to entertain you for 30 minutes You know when you preach sometimes you'll sweat <laughs> it is happening to me now <laughs> because I'm putting my spirit into the words that I'm speaking this truth I want you to get it get it if you get this truth you will not be a cold christian you will not be a lukewarm christian you will not be a defeated christian you will not be uh, saying oh my throw my hands up nothing more i can do oh i i have tried everything i've given up now let whatever happens happen no that's not it god has given you the keys you need to walk in that authority key stands for authority key stands for authority so we should be able to make a better prognosis now than a doctor who tells a cancer patient you will die in a month why our prognosis not on our weakness not looking at our strength not looking at our wisdom not looking at our capacity for doing good but our prognosis depends on the power of christ to sustain you to make you a victor to make you walk in victory to uh, do many things what did peter do in his life he raised and healed a crippled man they were walking along and they see a crippled man sitting there silver and gold have i none such as i have give i give to you in the name of jesus christ rise up and walk he stood up and walked a crippled man from birth he received full fu- functioning legs instantly And there was a time when Peter was walking on the streets people laid the sick people along the road so that the shadow of Peter may fall upon them and when the shadow passed over the people sicknesses were gone devils were gone out of them this is what is walking in authority holding the keys of authority what you bound on earth will be bound in heaven what you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven what does it mean to walk in authority to walk in power and god has elected peter and foreknown in foreknowledge has chosen him to be destined for this kind of salvation it is nothing less than what he did to peter he is doing for you is nowhere less is nowhere less is nowhere less we have watered down the gospel we have tried to convince ourselves that we have no power we have tried to convince ourselves we are nothing we are convinced we tried we have we have convinced ourselves we are our job is to just preach the gospel nothing more no our job is to walk like christ to hold the keys of david 
What you shut on earth will be shut in heaven. What you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. It is to walk like Elijah. Even though Christ did not die, he did not rise again. Yet he knew what it means to hold the key. And he said, at my word, there will be no rain for three and a half years. And again, when he spoke, it rained. Because he was a man of prayer. A man, a righteous man of prayer. That is what it means to walk in power. This is what it means to walk in power. Elijah raised the dead, man, dead boy. Elijah raised the dead person. I tell you, that is what it means to hold the keys of death and Hades. And Jesus is the one who holds the keys of death and Hades. And he gives you the same authority to walk. See, that is in his foreknowledge. How many are today really walking because God has chosen them, elected them in foreknowledge? In this kind of power, like Peter. We are stuck on the one side of Peter's life, the one who denied, the one who was weak, the one who was fluctuating, the one who was so um, unstable. But we are not looking at a Peter who was able to walk on the streets and the sick were healed because his shadow fell upon them. Let's focus on that Peter who raised the dead lady. Dorcas was dead. And they heard that Peter is in that area. So they sent someone and said, please come quickly. And they showed the clothes that she made for uh, children and to widows, to help widows, and many things they're showing. And, oh, and they're crying. This lady is gone now. Peter said, okay, all, all of you go out. He knelt down and prayed and looked at the lady and said, rise up. He commanded, commanded her to rise up. And she rose. She sat up and he gave his hand to stand up. That is what it means to walk in authority. If you have the keys of death and Hades, if you have the same authority that God, Christ has given you, in his foreknowledge, he has chosen you, elected you, for walking in power, not in to be defeated. Tell your neighbor, I've been elected to walk in victory, not in defeat. Hallelujah. You're happy? Shout hallelujah more strongly. Hallelujah. Let's close now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that is sown today. And I pray that in a supernatural way, I want the Holy Spirit to move and open the eyes of every one of us to see that you've elected us and you've chosen us, you've predestined us to walk in power, not in defeat. If you are having the same kind of a desire to walk like Peter who was victorious, not defeated Peter. If he can deny Jesus three times and be victorious, we too can deny, we must have denied our master many times through telling lies, through compromise, through sin and many things. But you can still walk in victory. It's never too late. It's never too late. If you have the desire Dedicate yourself to Jesus and say, Jesus, here I come with my weaknesses, with my shortcomings, with my short-sightedness. But I want you to do something this morning. I want you to touch me and put that same kind of spirit in me that you put in Peter. So I will walk in power. I will walk in victory. Just stand where you are. I will ask the Holy Spirit to touch you. 
ರಹಸಾಂದ್ರೆ ಬರ್ಣಮಾಸ್ತರು ಕೋರೋಷವರನಸ್ತು ರೀಕಾರ ಬಾರಣ ಮಾಂದ ಸೆರೆ ರೋಹೋಬೋರನ ಮಾಂದರಸ್ತು ಸಬರ ಶಕ್ತರೆ ರೋಕೋಬೋರನು ಸಾಮರ ಸಾಂದರೆ ರೋಹೋರೋ ಬೋರಿ ಶಕ್ತು ಸಾಮರ ರಕ್ತೆ ಸೆರೆಸೆ ಬೆರೆನೆ ರೋಹೋಬೋರನಿ ಮಾಂದಸ್ತೆ ಸಾಮರ ಶಕ್ತ ರೋಷಬೋರನು ಕೋರೋಸ್ತು ರಹಸ್ಯ ಕೆರೆ ಬಹಸ್ತು ಕೊರೋನು ಸೋಬೋರು ಬಹಂದಸ್ತು ಕೊರೋನಿ ದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಸೇಸ್ ಐ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಲುಕ್ ಇನ್ ಟು ದ ಸೀಕ್ರೆಟ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಯುವರ್ ಹಾರ್ಟ್ ಇಫ್ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ಸ್ಟಿಲ್ ಡೌಟ್ ಇನ್ ಯು ದಟ್ ಯು ಮೇ ನಾಟ್ ವಾಕ್ ಇನ್ ವಿಕ್ಟರಿ the lord says i have chosen you to walk in victory don't look at your weakness look at my power don't look at you, uh, any your circumstances look at my call i have called you i have chosen you i have predestined you i have filled you with power i have given you keys of authority to tread upon snakes scorpions all the power nothing will harm you to shut what you shut will be shut in heaven what you open will be opened in heaven Lord, I thank you for the children who are standing up now. Lord, bless them this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, visit them now. Let the fire fall upon them now. Oh God, I call out for fire. Fire. Holy Ghost, fire to fall upon from heaven, oh God, Father. Oh, I pray, let the fire fall upon them. Let your glory fall upon them. Lord, let the Holy Ghost fire fall upon them. Holy Ghost fire. 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 All over you, Holy Ghost fire. 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 Touch your children now in the morning, this morning. Let your glory fall upon them. Help them to walk in newness of life, the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.